What's up, everybody? How you doing? Uh, this is Living Life Intently, a Live Life Intense podcast. I am your host, Lee Frazier, and we are back for another episode of these Corona Files, I guess. Um, I really, uh, I'm not really having a, um, a great time doing these, uh, being over uh, the internet, over FaceTime, over Zoom, or wherever we get to record them. Uh, because of where I'm at in Cape Breton, our Wi-Fi is pretty shitty. So a lot of the services that enable people to podcast and get very, very clear recordings are really cloud-based and browser-based. So the speeds here just end up creating, where the Wi-Fi speeds end up creating this big lag. So the only thing that I've been able to find that works out well has been using FaceTime like we've done today in the last uh, bunch of episodes. But um, but yeah, I'm really hoping that we can get back to recording these in person because there's just something about uh, feeding off one another and having fun and interacting with one another in person that you really just can't replicate online. Uh, we're doing the best we can. And uh, I think next week will be a um, the last podcast for a couple weeks so I can get some construction work done here and hopefully things will open up and we'll get back to these in June and be able to sit down and and uh, and you know do some really really in-depth uh, have fun feed off one another podcast uh, in person so um, this week um, before we get into this podcast this week I just wanted to tell you about a documentary we released last Friday so a week ago today. Um, it is called The Cabot Trail, features six businesses, um, tourism operators here in Cape Breton Island that operate around the Cabot Trail uh, that all work together. We followed them around all last summer and uh, kind of really asked them or found out why they moved to Cape Breton to start this business, their struggles and how they're working together to kind of change the narrative of what it's like to live and run businesses here in rural Cape Breton. Uh, you can find that by going to livelifeintense.com or cabotraildocumentary.com. It's been received extremely well, and we will be doing... Uh, this is kind of for those... Maybe for those that haven't watched it yet but, and are interested, but we're going to be doing a watch party and a Q&A session afterwards on Monday at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to have some of the cast that's in the film, some of the filmmakers, and some other people jumping on board and doing a live Q&A where you can ask people questions about their businesses. Um you know, chit chat, have a couple beers, share some experiences, hear some behind the scenes stories of the uh, the filming of and the editing and the whole craziness that went into this whole film uh, with us. So that'll be on Monday. We'll release all that information through our email blast and um, on all of our social channels. But without further ado, this podcast is featuring a good friend of mine, Chuck Rathall. He's a woodsman, carpenter, photographer, and adventurer that lives in Sydney, uh, Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. And uh, we jumped on, talked about how he's, uh, you know, some of his favorite hiking spots that are not uh, that well known, things more or less on the other side of the island, whereas the West Coast, the Cabot Trail side usually gets a lot of the, um, the attention, but there's some amazing spots over on the East side that he really enjoys. So uh, we get into that. We get into talking about how he... He's a little bit of a prepper and had prepped and hasn't gone out for groceries in, I think, a month, maybe, or maybe two months. I can't remember. Anyways, uh, this was a fun podcast to do. We chatted about all kinds of things and maybe discussed a long hike that a certain couple of friends of mine are uh, going to be doing in June that we might jump in on. But anyways, without further ado, here is Truck Rathall uh, on Living Life Intently. <laughs> And uh, parks opened, well, Provincial Park's open today. So, on the way. So, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, eh? 
I love that you can go to Walmart, but you couldn't go to a park. Like, <laughs> yeah, you could line up at the liquor store around the block, but you couldn't actually go outside. I know. I, I almost feel like waiting in the lineup of like six feet apart rather than just being all first inside the store is almost worse. But yeah, who am I to say? Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, man. It's uh, it was crazy, but we like. I was just going out with my property here and there once in a while, but like for the most part, just kind of hunkering down here. It's it's crunny because we'd be like, the it took a little while to implement everything in Marguerite, and then like the co-ops, like ten people in, uh, they've been like that for like two weeks, two three weeks, I think now, something like that. But at first, like other place, when I go to like up towards Inverness or Shady Camp or other places, they were like kind of they were also delayed. So you'd be like, you'd go into. I won't say which co-op it would be, but you go into one of them and like there's it was funny because they implemented the lineup outside. But once you got inside, like the actual some of the staff would just come right up to you and like grab a hold of you and like be like, hey, hey, buddy, how are you doing? I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, right. right, right. (laughs) But it took a little while. But luckily, I mean, uh, up here, people were still able to get outside and stuff. It would be a much different situation if you're in like an urban area. So I couldn't imagine living in Halifax or something like that right now. What about Toronto? Imagine living in Toronto in a condo building. No, definitely not. That's like the last situation. Like me being a prepper type kind of guy, you know, like when I saw this shit coming from like when it's first started originating back in like late January, February. Yeah. I was like, uh, just before like started like dispersing out of, outside of China, I was kind of just being like, I should probably grab some extra food at the grocery store for it. You know, just in case it comes this way. Sure enough, <laughs> came this way. I had so much food stocked up that I didn't have to go to the grocery store since you know two months now. So, are you serious? I'm off. Yeah, I haven't been. I haven't been like to a grocery store or anything like that in two months. But the food, booze, weed, and gas lasts me probably like three, four months. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, the, the priorities big, down there. Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest thing was like for the first couple of weeks, I don't think I spent. I made I spent money on like some booze and stuff, but I think for the most part, like all the, it was like going to a deep dive within my, um, within my like dry goods, like lentils, beans, rice, um, quinoa, all the shit that I had that I bought like in bulk from fucking Costco like a year ago. Now I was like yeah, yeah. using it to cook and everything. And then uh, it was pretty, pretty. And then, then like trying to cook like all the, I've got a freezer in the basement and a freezer up at mom and dad's full of meat. So, and I kept going, this, you know what I mean? It, it puts it in perspective. Cause like I would be, I could, I have enough meat here probably to survive for like six months at least, like with all the fucking beef and the pork and like all the shit that I bought in bulk, uh, from local farmers, but never used. And then I'd still go to the fucking grocery store because it was frozen. I'm like, Oh, I want convenience. So I go there yeah, and, you know, and even buy new shit. But, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like when this first started kicking off, I was in Halifax and I was working on this film with, with Bernie and Wes and shit. And we're sitting at their studio and, and like Halifax is kind of starting to go crazy with the, the, that was like the toilet paper phase when it was first starting. And, uh, yeah. And, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, most people in, in rural areas are pretty much like ready for this for the most part. Cause they all have either gardens, pickles in the basement, uh, preserved goods, fucking, they have like cabinets full of like dry goods, freezers full of meat. But, uh, I was like these, everybody in the city is going to be like a rude awakening of what it's going to actually be like. Oh, it's crazy. It's like, it's 
funny how many people live day to day by going to the grocery store rather than having a stockpile of food at home. Yeah, it really brings it into perspective, eh? What what it's like and what it used to be like. I was at Mum's last night and we, the co-op margaries out of uh, flour, as is a lot of places. But we had to go to Shetty Camp, and they have like the the like twenty pound bags of fucking flour, the big ass bags. And uh, yep. I was telling Mum that last night, and she said, growing up, like they'd be they used to have those taped in twos. You had to buy them in two bags, and that would be nothing for a household to go to the store and buy two massive bags of flour because they baked so much shit at home instead of like it's funny how it's so different back then like that skill has like oh, kind of like drowned out a little bit it's like but now it's like with the pandemic everyone's learning that skill again they're learning how to bake from scratch and i love it i love seeing that yeah man well that would lead us into like some shit that i want to ask you but um why don't, before we get too far into this why don't we just set it up and and uh do a little intro i guess on your okay, end cool. um so do you want just want me to go and say who yeah, I am? Yeah, man, just say, just, yeah, get into, like, the, who you are, where you're at, and, um, you know, <clears throat> all that sort of shit. Okay, cool. So, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's always hard to describe myself. Um, I'm a woodsman and a photographer. Um, I'm a full-time carpenter. I've traveled all across Canada working and building houses, and in my off time, I would just explore the backcountry. And that kind of gave me the passion and the start of uh, my wilderness journey, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so the photography in the backcountry kind of combined, and then I got to start showcasing that on Instagram. And uh, that led me to finding, you know, my wilderness communities and like-minded people. And then actually, I'm pretty sure that's basically how I met you because I got into it the greatest weekend. Yep. Yep. That's a, yeah, so that's who I am. I'm a woodsman, photographer, and carpenter. And your name's Chuck Rathall. I <laughs> forgot that one key element, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like I should just do that one over. <laughs> no, man, don't worry about that. That adds humor to it. That's the thing. It's like, that's what I like. I don't like, like, these things, like I said, I don't like, un, like, structure, real structured stuff. I like to kind of, like, just have a conversation, like, you would actually have a conversation. And it was really, like, more or less to have it in person. Like, you know, people would come down to Marguerite in my place, and we'd just go hang out and have a couple drinks and, like, mm-hmm. record an episode, talk about whatever. Um, but obviously, we had to restructure how that was done in the last couple weeks, uh, or the last couple months, I guess, and for the next foreseeable future until hopefully the end of May, mid-June-ish, when we can start gathering together again. Who knows? But I think it's not too far off. I really do. I feel like hopefully, you know, maybe next time we'll be able to have this in person within the next few months or something. Yeah, man, it's it's a it's a pretty interesting time. I don't think anybody ever thought that they would actually live through and go through some shit like this. But like I said before, it kind of puts everything in perspective, um, like how crucial um, small business are to the communities, like how communities need to support one another, and and like you know. Uh, it's been a long, like my dad, for instance, will refuse to go to Walmart and refuse to go to Costco and refuse to do any of that. And he'll go to like the local butcher and pay more money for the meat there rather than go buy it in bulk at Costco, uh, because it supports the community because without those little imagine, imagine if like this shit happened and those businesses all went out of business and we had to travel fucking four hours to go to a goddamn grocery store in Halifax because everybody's shopping at, at Costco, <laughs> like no, we'd be shit out so of yeah. Oh, you, yeah, big time, big time. Yeah, so and I mean, like, I don't, and I feel like that would just like, you, again, that situation, you're almost better off starting to learn how to hunt and gather and grow your own food in that situation. 
Yeah. Well, have you have you been at, at all? Like, I mean, you, you mentioned you're usually always out. Have you gone out much at all over the last two months, or you've been pretty much staying at home? Uh, so I've been staying out of the public, like yeah. But I haven't been like. Are you talking about hiking wise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, no, no. I've been, I've definitely been out hiking. Just yeah, yeah. Like, not to, not to the parks and all that stuff. Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, yeah, just to get out to like my spot in the woods where uh, I got a nice spot down on uh, Salmon River. It's a spot in Howie Center. And uh, I just set up a hammock there most days. And I'll just, you know, well, you can't have a fire right now because it's a fire ban. But I had my little propane stove and I made some coffee and I just laid in the hammock for a few days and just hiked around those woods because there's a nice trail system that's in there. And yeah. Basically, have I've been spending my days it's nice. And, I'm I'm enjoying this downtime. Like I got you know time off work. I'm just enjoying it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of the biggest. It's been uh, everybody's been able to focus on on home projects, and everybody's been able to slow down a little bit. But um, that's kind of like what's been going on here. Uh, and things aren't as fast paced as what they used to be. Everybody's kind of like chilling out and getting some shit done. But the amount of fucking people that I've seen. Uh, picking up new skills and like baking and like all that sort of shit recently has been <laughs> pretty hilarious. Well, I mean, it's it's telling because you go to the grocery store and there's not one thing of sh- uh, flour there. And there's like yeah. uh, everybody that I, well, not everybody, a lot of people that I see in Halifax even can't find flour within Halifax. So everybody's at home kind of learning new skills and, and really pushing them, pushing self-development, which is going to be a big thing. A lot of people are going to come into this with like a lot of new, new learned skills. And we'll see, if that holds through, if they continue it, or they just go back to back to normal, but it's been a very interesting bit. But um, as far as like hiking trails, man, that's that's one of the things like we've talked about in the past about over over that side of the island because I think the rest the the focal point is pretty much like the Cabot Trail for like tourism and and all that sort of stuff. But there's a lot of spots, and I'm guilty of it too, that I haven't explored the other side of the island. And uh, I know there's a lot of people that are always interested in, and that's one thing that I need to start doing a little bit more is getting over to that side to kind of like do a little bit more adventures and shit. So um, I guess what are kind of like your top spots on that side of the island that if people are listening and they want to go check out, you don't have to give away your hidden spots, but you know what I mean? Just like no, kind of little yeah, pointers. Sure. And uh, it's more or less like I'm interested in too, because like, uh, like I said, like growing up, we just put, spend our time around here and like my business is here and there's a lot of tourism ad spend on this side of the island. And I always like feel that there is an opportunity because no one's focusing on, on shining a light over there. And when I say I'm, I'm talking about the entire East coast of the island, um, there's huge opportunity to be able to do something over there, uh, because there's just nobody doing it. Well, there probably is, but you know what I mean? Like it's not in the public eye as much as the, the West coast. No, you're definitely right. It's definitely lacking over here, but I, I love the question. So I would say some of my top spots would be uh, uh, Gooseberry Cove comes to mind right away. That's a sweet coastal trail. Not very long, but you can kind of walk as far as you want. It's not like a, not really a marked trail, but it's just a kind of like a full path that's beaten and yeah. stuff like that. So also, uh, same uh, area, uh, there's the White, uh, Lewisburg Lighthouse Trail. And also the Manadu Boardwalk, that's very underrated. No one really ever goes there or talks about it, but like, yet it's one of the best like, places to spend for uh, sunrise. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think of some other places. Um, there's so many waterfalls. Like Cape Breton, you, you know yourself, has hundreds of waterfalls. So we have Devil Hills Falls, which is out on off Lewisburg Highway. There's Gillis Lake Falls. Um, 
There's Washabuck Falls, which is kind of by the deck. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Cape, uh, not Cape. Oh, yeah, sorry. Cape Clear is one of my favorite, but that's not really well for me. Um, but uh, the Fairy Hole, that's what I wanted to say. The Fairy Hole is one of the, like, some people know about it, but some people don't. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one of the spots that uh, has been on my list for a long time. A long time. You haven't been no man, I've never been. My buddy went and he rep- so kind of describe what it is because from what I remember, my friend Mac telling me was that he he was like repelling into a section of it or something. Is there is there like a cave or yeah, yeah. yeah? So like as you're walking in the trail, you, you I forget how long, like many kilometers. It's not that long. It's yeah. around six. Could be wrong. But anyway, so you get there. And there's a couple waterfalls along the way, and you check those out. You follow the stream down, and then you come to a beach. And then just onto the right side of the beach is like this little, it depends on the tide too. If the tide's really high, you won't see it, but there's a hole in a rock inside of a cliff. And if the tide's down low enough, you can just kind of walk through this hole and uh, you come into this big opening of a cave and there's a skylight up atop. That's probably where the part that he repelled down oh, okay. because if the tide's up, yep. the tide's up, you either have to swim through it or yep. climb down to the top. Crazy. So, and then, and then inside, once you get into this cave, there's a pool inside, and then you climb up onto this other rock, and then you climb further into the cave, and then it goes back, like, oh, geez, I, I would have to say, like, at least 100 feet. Huh. Crazy. It goes to a spot, and, and if you go to the very back, like, I wish I had uh, better lighting at the time, I just had my cell phone light. And so we were crawling in, and it starts getting narrower and narrower and lower and lower. And then there's this one spot where it's like you could practically crawl on your stomach and fit into another size room. I mean, like if you're claustrophobia, like <laughs> that's not happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it, that's a pretty crazy spot. Like, and it's just so it's so different because it's like, like I said, like you rarely run into people there, and it's just kind of one of those things that's like tucked away. Yeah, I I think there's like a ton, like there's a ton of you're spots like that. Ton, yeah, you never you never know it's there if like someone didn't tell you about it. Yeah, have you been? Uh, have you been? There's a little bit more well known, but uh, half halfway Brook Falls, th- that's in the park. That's not. It's like the water slide, the uh, natural water slide. In- right. You know what? I've been there. I was there like probably in the high school days, but it's been probably you know. 10, 15 years since I've been there, actually. Yeah, it's pretty wild, man, that landscape, because you wouldn't think... Um, I, we were biking the Cabot Trail last October. We stopped by. Um, there's, there's like... There's um, by the... Uh, not Dingwall, by the Niels Harbor Hospital, right? So when you're you're at the Niels Harbor Hospital and you're heading towards Inganish, there's like a little bridge you pass, and I think it's the coastal trails right there, but there's a little parking lot on the same side of the road as the... Uh, hospital and there's a little parking lot and there's a trail that goes in the woods now that's the long trail that takes you all the way up and you'll see signs uh up along the way that say um it's like it's within the park and they were for years telling people not to go there like and like getting pissed off because what was happening is there's that long trail but there's an actual parking lot there but people were heading up the road further towards Inganish because there's a shorter trail that goes straight into the falls but that's why there's all these signs that say no parking because they don't want anybody parking along the side of the road and when you go in there you'll see stapled to or nailed to a bunch of trees is um no diving and all that sort of shit because people are jumping off all the rocks but what's pretty cool about that brook is that it's all etched into stone kind of like Blackbrook Falls has all the stone out of it. 
Um, but this is just like this, this brook and there's a, like we were up there in October. So, and there was a little bit of rain the day before. So the, it's probably a little bit higher than what it normally was. Actually, it was definitely higher than it normally was because we couldn't, I didn't find where the water slide was. And from all the pictures, I know I was there, but it was just so much water coming down, but it was quite big, man. And it's all stone. It's just like a brook that's cut into stone. And then there's like all these, um, these mini waterfalls and you just keep going back the brook and keep hiking back. And there's all these tiny little waterfalls all the way down. It's crazy, but it was something that I'd never been to. And like when we did the trail, uh, we're biking it. There was certain key spots that I wanted to touch base. It was that place. And then there's another spot by Cabot Shores falls. You get to hike all the way up the brook there. Um, uh, Indian brook. Is it? Yeah. 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 That's the one. Yeah. That's another one that I want to get to. That one last summer. That was an incredible one. You're going to get wet on that one. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to get wet. (laughs) Yeah. That's like this other one that I had, um, that I took, uh, Taylor and was it Taylor. Yeah. Taylor drew and a bunch of guys up at last October. It was one of the ones we're going to use for this, like unmarked series that we're doing, which was kind of like to privately own sections of land that we had, like we got landowner approval to go into these hidden spots and we were going to like black the van out with the windows. So no one knew where we were going. You couldn't take cell phones or anywhere. So we kept it hidden. Um, but anyways, we, we didn't do this one because it was a little bit too crazy after doing the, the other ones were basically the hardest that we're ever going to do based on the people like, like people came with us and we're getting people's opinions and they're like, oh yeah, this is very difficult. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Okay. Well, I'm not doing this next one, but I'll take lunatics with me. But that one's also like, you're swimming in the sections, you're climbing up over waterfalls, you're like on slippery stones, but it's like way, 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 way up the river Valley. And, uh, it's pretty wild once you get in there. Cause it's kind of like. We went in like late October and there's a section where you got to like strip down and jump in the river or in the brook and swim like a hundred feet and then climb this rock to get up. And there's a big waterfalls that shoots out. So it's, uh, uh, we'll head up sometime this summer. You just let me know, give me a heads up and we'll head up that one or I'll just show you where it's at. But it's, you got to go like, go way up this dirt road, then take a four wheeler trail and then fucking get out at the right brook. And then you head up that brook and it's like, you got to take the right branch off that brook and another branch. It's like a maze to get there, but it's pretty wild, man. But that's, it's crazy because there's so many of those little things on, in the island that no one ever really pushes or focuses on. So, so there's a million... That's what I started. I started carrying a little notebook with me. Uh, as you can see, I have it in my hand here. Yep. As you can see on the video. Um, and so I, I just started always jotting down anytime I would go to a new spot. I just, wherever I went, I just throw it in the book very quick. So I'd always remember that spot because there's so many spots on this island where you'll go one day. And then if you don't take a picture or write it down, you're going to forget. So I've been like just making a list. And this is this this was from the last probably like six seven months maybe up to a year and I have over fifty spots or yes fifty yeah fifty one <laughs> and these are like my go to spots like and that's like the best thing is like I've been like exploring this island for the last you know my whole life basically yeah with your own and uh, I haven't run out of spots yet there's still you know hundreds of waterfalls I haven't seen trails i haven't done i haven't been uh the new uh seawall trail that's probably next on my list yeah yeah that was um that's that's one that um we did when we didn't do this we kind of did not the one they were proposing for the seawall which is along the coast but we did like the inland so you take the moose um kind of like the moose paths and stuff 
I did that as kids, but uh, it's been on my list. It was almost one thing that I was like thinking about doing. If I can get shit ready and sort it out, and we're not going to open our, our our doors until like July, at least if they let us. So I've yeah. June. I was trying to get all my construction done this month of May, and then I was going to like maybe plan a trip for for June. And that was one of the ones that I wanted to do just to refresh it in my mind because it's been a long time since I've done it. But and I was looking at like drone footage from Dave and Skyler too, um, that they shot and like little waterfalls and the water along the coast from some of the stuff they shot was like unbelievable. It was just like turquoise blue. It's crazy. It's like they actually they just messaged me yesterday He's talking about they messaged you talking about the big trip uh, trip coming up. No, no. Okay, so we just have a little plan in the works of uh, getting a group together and doing a big loop of the northern part of the island. Okay. Basically from Hollis Cove up to the very tip of Meat Cove down to the Ash, or down to like Tenerife, then back down to the Aspie Fault to like Hollis Cove. Like roughly that. It would be like around 85 kilometers, 10 yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. We were looking, well, I was starting to, well, this, this whole like seawall stuff was uh, stemmed out of um, when we did the hike across the highlands um yeah we did the hike across the highlands in the winter time before then my brother and i i think at christmas time i was wanting to do so so we're trying to figure out how this is going to work i want to create kind of like an online community for it um and we were chatting about it on the, the hike across the highlands and we talked about it on the podcast like the recap of the highlands trip that we did back in like february or whatever with mac my brother and all that stuff so thinking about the top probably not money point but meet cove and then we leave there and we hike down uh take this kind of seawall trail down but then come out at the aspie like um aspie trail and then we kind of come up and we cut down through the park down the marguerite river and then we and we essentially come down the marguerite river I head up the Highlands, hit the the Transcanada Trail for a bit, back up uh, River Denny's in that area, and then we come out and like basically put Oxbury. So you're going to the top, the bottom, and that was like the big one that we were looking at planning to do. Some of us, uh, we were looking at routes for it too. Um, we haven't looked at the map. Like my brother and I sat down to kind of try to plan it out because I this is why I thought I was like, fuck, maybe this June I can just like take a couple weeks and just do it, and. Uh, and do the whole thing and then mark it out and we were planning on uh like almost doing like an unofficial well now we're talking about it on this fucking podcast so it's not not unofficial but <laughs> but like like a, a website so you have to have like um create some sort of like ear of of like you don't know what it is and you have there's like a website it's not like listed you can you can choose whether or not you have your website listed online or not or if it'll populate in search engines, but make it so it doesn't. So you need to know the website address, but then you also need to know a login, which you can get from somebody that might know the login or might have done it before. And then we create this route, which you can download and with different waypoints, it would have different people to contact that would do um, uh, food drops for you in different locations and coordinate stuff. So you can call them and say, hey, we're doing um, we're doing this trip. We plan on doing it from this state to this state. We'll need a uh, drop off here, here, and here. And then you also have to notify whoever, um, like search and rescue and all that sort of stuff. So everybody knows and you have check-in points that you, you would have to check into. Um, <clears throat> like the way it's going to work logistically. And then uh, you'd have, there'd be like a lead, not a leaderboard, but like people that completed it and how much days you completed, how much time you completed. And then we, I was looking into getting coins done 
So you can get like numbered coins. So it'd be like whatever trail would be called of say the great Cape Breton trail, whatever, you know what I mean? So, and you get a coin and it's numbered zero one, zero two, zero three, and so on. So it's like, you get a coin and we ship it out. You, once you like register your times with the GPS and stuff, you submit it, then we like send you off like a fucking plaque and like a coin and shit. It'd be like this crazy unofficial, uh, wild, yeah, yeah, yeah. like two week or more, um, kind of an adventure. And you just hit the trail and it takes you through all these spaces that are, you know, a lot of protected spaces, you would be crossing a park. So that would be something you would have to notify them on. But, um, but yeah, man, it would be pretty, uh, Pretty, pretty cool thing to do. That was one of the biggest things on my chopping block to do that one. But I like this one too. The the, uh-huh. the northern northern highlands. Um, what is it though? Th- through that whole wilderness section, right? The Aspey Bay and Paul's Cove wilderness section. Basically, the whole peninsula tip of Cape Red. Yep, crazy. And you start in Paul's Cove and then go up and around. Yeah, head up north, head to Meat Cove, then you know start trucking back down towards the Aspey Bay area. And then go right across the ass and fall. You'll hit all the best scenic routes there, right? When's that happening? Uh, we're looking around, I think, uh, June 15th. Yeah, all for right. 10 days. I'm going to text Skylar right now. I was just going to say, yeah, perfect. I was just going to say, if you're free, man, definitely should join because this is going to be one hell of a trip. Yeah, I'm just texting her right now. There we go. They're fun. Done, done, done. Yeah, well, that was something that I wanted to do. But it all it's all predicated on or all kind of tilts on whether or not I'm able to get out then. It all depends, really. And uh, the biggest thing with this like situation that we're in right now is the fact that there's not much information at all given out, especially to businesses. I know there was like an information session Friday. I missed it because I was busy outside. Um with uh, a Terry Smith from DCBA was on board um, chatting about, and I sent in a bunch of questions to ask. So I don't know if they got answered or not because I missed the session, but it's more or less like set up to give information to operators uh, or if anybody had questions about specifics. So that was one of the biggest things for me was, you know, some accommodation businesses from what I'm hearing in other places is o- they're open, um, but they're staggering their rooms. Like my aunt came up from the States and some places are renting uh, a room out and then seven days, they wait a week to rent it out again. And then other places in that I'm hearing from other, um, uh, I heard from some people in tourism that they're talking about places are, because the virus, I could be wrong on this, but what they told me was that the virus uh, lasts like 72 hours on surfaces or whatever. So they're like staggering rooms accordingly. So people would rent, they'd wait at least 72 hours and then put somebody in that room afterwards. But that's all great when it comes to like hotel rooms that have their own dedicated bathrooms. But when it comes to like campgrounds and like hostels and all that sort of stuff, what's going to happen. So that's kind of what I'm asking. And then that's going to decide whether or not, you know, where and when we open up and how we're going to open up and all that sort of stuff. So, but if all that stuff lifts and, and we're good to go then, and I have all my construction done this next month and this fucking documentary is all out and done and behind me then yeah man i'm down <laughs> that's like me it's like i don't kind of i don't know when i'm returning to work yet so it's like the waiting game for me as well if i have more time off work you better believe there's gonna be multiple day trips set up and camping trips I'm gonna be taking multiple wilderness days and just going out and just doing my thing yeah 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 and uh <clears throat> and i guess like 
I guess you're 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 in a different position. You have your you work as a carpenter, right? So it, it'd be difficult for people like I was wanting to have a conversation with Dave and Skyler about. Um, I think they they I asked them to be on this podcast. I'm not sure if she got back to me or not, but I wanted to have the conversation with them about um about you know what it would be like to make that shift because they shifted their work from working at the bakery and then they went full time into uh, this creative world and doing uh, marketing stuff and video and photography work. But um, yeah, I was <laughs> asked them about how that that how they're managing now on that shift. Like I imagine uh, all the stuff that you were doing is probably on hold as well. Is it? hundred percent. Yeah. You got it. And what's your, uh, and you were working just to give anybody a context, you were working with like Tilly hats and were you still working with them? Yeah. So I've worked with a bunch of outdoors and travel companies such as like um, Nova Scotia community college, destination Cape Breton, destination New Brunswick, Tilly hats, uh, Coors banquet beer, uh, there's been Air Canada promotions, uh, Expedia. The Hidden Woodsman was probably my first and biggest sponsor, which is a, a backpack manufacturer company from the States. Yep. One of, one of the most coolest guys. He runs a small company, but he's, he's pretty much what got me into this whole, like, I'm putting air quotes for who can't see this, is uh, uh, an influencer lifestyle, I guess, because uh, he sent me a backpack and then I took pictures and that's kind of got the ball rolling for how I got into like, the whole working with brands, right? Yeah. Through Instagram. So it's a big thanks and shout out to him for that, for sure. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's basically what I do is I create content or photos or sometimes a video. And uh, depending on what their needs are, whether it's just for social media or the websites or whether it's taking studio shots for their like Amazon products. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever thought about getting into doing stuff yourself, like doing your own gear? I mean, imagine you've tested out enough gear over the years, but you know, doing your own branded stuff. Man, for sure. Like I have so many ideas. I I got like a multi-tool idea that I don't really want to share on the podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) it's cool. Think of a multi-tool. Yeah. But more tailored towards people that are in the bush doing bushcraft stuff like that. And you mean like, like a, do you mean like a multi tool, like, like a leatherman? Like a leatherman, exactly. Oh, like okay. a leatherman, yeah. yeah. I was going to so say, think of a leatherman yeah. but for the wilderness. Uh, interesting. So I, I got a cool idea. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm kind of like slowly designing a prototype, just always like doing little sketches about it. But, uh, and there's this place that just opened like right by my house and it uh, has a 3D printer. So, I might actually go over there sometime, do up a 3D model of it and see if I can actually get something going. But that's. It would be, it would, it would be, that would be interesting. You just need to find somebody with, uh, or learn AutoCAD yourself, design a lot of them, and then uh, get somebody with a CNT lathe, like a, a little mini CNT lathe to do it up for you. Or do, yeah, do the 3D. Because that's that would be like, I would imagine AutoCAD would be what people use for 3D printers as well. And then just assemble like a mock version of it. And then, uh, uh, and then get somebody, go find somebody with a CNC lathe and try to get them manufactured. Man, do it. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, they have the worker space at the convent in Sydney, which is like this big multiple, uh, multifunction arts building. And they have like all like the lathes there. They got the CNC machines. They got the programs, the computers. They got everything you need. So like they even have the people to show you how to use it. So it's just, I think it's they run on a like a monthly subscription service. Like you pay sixty bucks a month, and you get to all access to like their tools and programs and all that. So like that's definitely you know in the works. Huh. We'll see. Interesting. But even like doing stuff like you must have like a good. Uh, I mean, you would you're out enough and with photography and with uh, using gear 
even like backpacks that are more suited to um, like your demographic and the, and the type of people and, the, and uh, the market that you you attract, you could definitely design a bag that's more specific because like what you're doing is pretty much pretty niche, but it's also like a growing interest in doing all that sort of stuff. So have you ever thought about doing that? Like, uh, like there's um, uh, Fee's Original Goods, you know, he's got like leather right. goods. It may not. Yeah, man, he's a really, really good buddy of mine. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's like a really good buddy of oh, mine. Oh shit, man! Yeah, yeah. I was reaching out to him about, um, I think, like a year ago, about maybe doing a backpack, and he priced it out. And then we were going to do like um, last winter. I reached out and I said uh, I wanted to do these like um, wooden utensils, like camping utensils, but like get uh, uh, like a canvas like pouch with like a loop and a carabiner and stuff on it, so that he could make the pouch and then I can outsource getting all the, these like um, utensils done. But that was before, you know, all this stuff kicked off and, and a lot of places aren't doing, but yeah, man, that's what I would picture. I would be like in like an old canvas, like waterproof canvas or leather backpack, small run. Well, that's kind of it's funny that you said that with fee because uh, I actually, like I used to, I do a lot of whittling yeah. and like woodwork. So I made a coffee cup that was all of like a bunch of like pieces of wood uh, glued together all different layers, right? And I whittled it down, made a coffee cup, and uh, I was going to make another one and send it to Fee when he, he was living out west at the time. Yep. We never got on doing this, but I was going to send that to him, and he was going to make like a leather collar to wrap around it, and that would have been the dopest collaboration, right? So, man, those. You know what? If, you, if you're listening, we might have to work on that now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a perfect time. I mean, like, uh, but I enjoy that. There was another idea that we had, which is still on the back burner. Was like, a, I probably mentioned this to you. I know I mentioned it to him as well. Um, was like, we wanted to build this this um, brand, which is more based on local local artisans but practical stuff so it'd be like stuff from him um it's we had it all like all the branding done for it i, had, I already got all the shit done uh, because it was we, we got it done along with another project to save some money on it but uh this is like a year and a half ago and get everything registered to use it as a different business which is called the cape breton uh cape breton supply company and so it'd be kind of like a mix of uh practical things like cups or or whatever small usually small batch would be a higher price tag on it but it would be like local artisans and we do a mix of like clothing and practical stuff so it would be like you know that's why i reached out to him about possibly doing like a backpack um then these like cutlery things and getting into that whole the whole realm but uh it's definitely things that are just there it's ideas that i i, I have that are sitting on the back burner that it'd be kind of more or less like let people we kind of amalgamate all these artisans and all these ideas from all these other people and then be able to bring it to market and, and really push it and market it and do all the creative for it and all that sort of stuff, which I mean, it's crazy, but you know, things are put on hold now, so it doesn't happen, but, but, but yeah, man. Uh, yeah. So the, the gear. So as far as like, um, uh, what are your go-to, uh, go-to camera gear when you're heading out? Like, like I'll put it in context for you. Like I went and did, I couldn't choose between lenses when we did the across the Highlands trip. So I hiked with like 20 pounds of extra gear. So I hauled everything two lenses, yeah. extra batteries, drone, all that sort of stuff. But, um, what are your go-to items when you're heading out to like head out for like a multi-day hike or like overnight hike and stuff? Yeah. So I, I try to capture like, like document everything I do. I mean, I should start making videos, but, um, anyways, so my go-to gear would be like my Nikon DSLR 
and then I would take either my 35 or my 16 to 35 mil. Yep. I love, I'm a, I like to keep them wide. Um, and if not, sometimes I'd bring my, my uh, 24 to 70. Um, I just actually sold my drone, so I'm no shit. Upgrading. No, I'm up, I'm I'm upgrading. I, I I didn't sell. I'm not I'm not up the game. I'm not I'm not out, but uh, upgrading. Yeah, which one do you, you get? See the new, see the new one that came out, the Air Two. Uh, I saw it, but I didn't really look into it. Um, but I did see it. Yes. Yeah. The specs on it: 4K, uh, 60 frames per second, bunch of stuff like that. Right. It's, yeah, and it's got a CMOS sensor, right? A bigger one. Um, yeah, I think that's what I saw on range, it. Yeah, and the range is like 10 miles or something like that. Well, that would have worked out well last fall when I lost my drone. That would have been a little <laughs> bit better. I hope, but but I really hope that they have like... Uh, the, the issue I found with the Mavic Air was that the connectivity, like it really dropped out a lot. Like, Yeah, and, they changed it completely. Yeah, because it was the... Bi- that was... That was the biggest downside to use that. I loved, I loved it because it was compact. It was light. You could bring it in places. Um, you could like fly it in smaller areas. You can rip it around. Like if you're at like say you did something at Egypt Falls, right? Zooming into like was it Egypt Falls? Like somebody pouring coffee in a cup or something like that. Uh, that's actually Washington Falls. And oh. what I did was I got my friends to pour the coffee, and I threw I flew the drone between the arms as they were pouring the coffee. Yeah. So and I back the back the drone up to reveal the waterfall and them standing in front of it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't, like I love using drones as like, like in a camera as that rather than just having like the bird's eye view constantly looking down and doing that. I like using the drone to be a little more creative and try to get like different. Yeah, I've also did a, a video of Fee fishing at Gillis Lake Falls with the drone. I did a whole video of him just like filmed all with the drone but it was all the like close shots and some overhead shots all mixed together of him fishing so. yeah i think that's that using um the biggest thing with with using drones and I, i've had this conversation with uh with bernie while we're working on this this film um and i noticed it a lot when i started using it is that people just kind of tend to do the a lot of the same the same shit, the same shots. Uh, there's like roll it up in the air, snap a picture. Yeah, there's go tos that I that I do. So generally, when I'm doing it, and you got to think, like you got to be strategic when you pop it up. Literally, you have like 20 to 25 minutes of flight time, right? So um, one, you have to be strategic on lighting, which people, when you start out doing it, you don't really take into account. So like, don't bother. I mean, you can pop it up if you have proper filters, like in middle of like the day in like July or August, like in clear skies. Like if you have like a 64 fucking ND64 filter, you could probably work it well. Uh, it did that. That's kind of like the max one I have. Um, but also being strategic in optimizing your time, flight time. So that means like getting certain specific shots, getting creative, having an idea. So when we went to like, for instance, uh, Tenerife in. October, I think I went with Sanjay. Uh, Sanjay was in from Toronto. Uh, for people listening, he's a photographer, lack of a better term, influencer, runs an account called Images of Canada on Instagram. But he was down doing a photo shoot for DCBA, uh, Destination Cape Breton. And we were up in Dingwall, uh, staying at the Markland. And uh, I was up having drinks with Tom and started planning my shot list out and thinking about what I wanted when I got to the mountain because I knew. We were going to hike up. We were going to get sunrise, but sunrise only, you know, you only got limited time. And I wanted to be strategic in when that drone went up. And if I had the right light or, you know, the first one, it was a little bit early. 
Um, so it was really dark, but I got some cool stuff, which is uh, some of those shots are in the film. But uh, the most of it came like after this, like a little bit of a window there. So, but being strategic and like, okay, I want a shot of walking out onto the peak, kind of circling this way. I want the back forwards the other way, revealing the other way. Like, just think about it before you do it. And then instead of just popping it up, then trying to figure it out was the biggest biggest learning lesson i had with flying flying any drone really so but you know because nothing worse than being in a remote area and popping it up and running into battery and then coming up with an idea and be like fuck now i don't have any more batteries <laughs> oh no it's the worst <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love flying my drones through, through things like whether it's like like people pouring coffee or a tent or tree branches i just love flying it through that open kind of like the sam colder effect you know like yeah that yeah, style. yeah yeah um, so that's kind of why I'm uh, thinking about switching to the FPV style drones. Have you ever thought about those? Yeah, yeah. it was suggested to me. That's a whole other realm yeah. to get into. Different it's it's. It I, I, so I, I've been doing the flight simulator online. Yeah, where you you hook up a, like the controller. You can do it like from the like, your uh, DJI controller. Okay. And it is wild. I know, like, man. It's a uh, so for the, no sense. <laughs> yeah, for those of you listening, we're, we're talking about FPV drones. They're uh, first-person drones, and if uh, you can just Google it on, if you want to find out what what they actually do, but it's a whole different way of flying drones, and you can like alternate uh, the one the, the the generic drones that people fly are pretty like um, uh, static. They kind and of just go up, up, down, left, and right. Yeah, basically. you have right. all these yaws, no. and you can go upside down and like control the loops and just. You, you can bomb down the side of a mountain while like capturing just the tops of the trees and then like do a big loop to reveal like the sun. Like it's like, there's just so many options with the camera. Like, yeah. There's a lot more, but you got to be a good pilot. That's exactly. Awesome. Well, that was the biggest thing with, with flying these, these uh, like the Mavic Air when I had it was like my house. I was just flying it in and around my house, open my window and I'd be like sitting just, I would sit in a room and look at the screen and just fly by the screen and get accustomed to flying them in like tight areas. Um, and then know when you're looking at the screen, how the lens, like you're, you're, it's kind of like a wide lens. So you're not really that close to things when it looks like you're right close to them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're flying over the treetops, you look like you're going to hit the treetop, but technically you're like a meter away from the treetop. So you can really like skim the tops of them, but knowing that distance and knowing where that's at, um, could enable you to rip around. Like I'd fly in between trees and like take all the sensors off and just rip around the woods and stuff like this. Like I went to uh, Egypt falls and was like ripping up and down through the trees in the winter time. And then kind of using it as FPV drone, but it not being one and there's a little less control on them, but you know, it was fun, but it's also probably why I lost it and crashed it. <laughs> and it's in, oh, yeah. it's, it's in a river somewhere. So but. have you ever told the story about Paulus Cove drone? where we sent it up with your phone. Oh man, I forgot, kind of forgot about it to be honest. Right. But yeah, so we last, when was it in September? Yeah, September. So September, we usually do like an annual trip to Pollock's Cove. Um, for those of you that don't are listening or from Cape Breton, don't know what it is. It's a nine kilometer hike. I think nine and a half, nine and a half kilometer hike. You go up past the um, Buddhist monastery in on River River Road in Pleasant Bay. Follow the coast. There's a sign, hiking trail. It's an old cove uh, that actually you sent me old pictures of, like the fishing community in there. I think. Yeah, man, that old village there is so cool. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Uh, but it was it used to be an old settlement, um, and it's more like a kind of a hiker's paradise now. You go in, there's tons of little hikes you can do, waterfalls you can find, all that sort of stuff. So we went in there, and uh, we had all this beer. Everybody was bringing booze in, so we had so much extra booze. And we had, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Alexi from uh, Alexi McKinnon from McKinnon Kayak Tours in Inverness. So Alexi was kayaking, and the plan was for him to kayak in. So we decided all to leave our beer, the majority of all of our booze, at Labrie and Shetty Camp for him to kayak in. Well, everybody left a little too late. So then we ended up in there, and it's kind of getting dark. And we're like, fuck, I wonder if Lexi's going to make it. I wonder if he's going to... Because he was way behind us, and we get in there, and it was like almost dark anyways. And so... I thought, I'm like, well, we all got drones here. Well, we don't have cell service, but maybe we can get it if we fly it as high as I can fly it in the air. So then next thing, we taped the phone with the screen facing the camera and the camera pointing directly down so that if it got cell signal, we'd see some... I couldn't read the messages, but it would show the messages showing up on my phone. (laughs) So we like taped it to the drone and flew it on somebody else's phone and went straight up in the air to try to get cell service like what three i think i was like 300 meters or something ridiculous oh it was genius <laughs> what a genius idea i just love the fact that you could see like on the controller screen you could see that if you your screen lit up because you had the camera facing your phone that was taped to the drone. it just made so much sense when you, when you showed me that i was like wow lee you're on another level <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it it actually did well, but I, I like I pushed the limits of that drone so much. Like I crashed it in a tree in North River, filming Angelo, and snapped the propeller off, and I was flying it with three propellers. So like, oh, no. it, well, I, I so I shouldn't say it wasn't like th- three. It was like three and a half, basically. I snapped the blades in half on the other one, so it wouldn't hold. So if you just had it idle sitting there, it wouldn't hold. It would try to compensate and jump, fluctuate up and down, but and it would bounce off the ground and shit, but. Uh, but if you were flying it, it would be fine. If you're actually using the motors, it would be completely fine. But yeah, so I've kind of pushed the limits on that one quite a bit. Um, but now I have the Mavic 2 Pro, which is, or Pro 2 or whatever, which is great. It's a little bigger of a machine. Um, so you can't do what you could with the, the Mavic Air. So the, the new Mavic Air, is it the same, excuse me, is it the same size as the old one? I think it's just a tiny bit bigger, but yeah. Basically the same size. So that's what you're getting then. Uh, I'm either that or, like I said, I might go into the FTP. Like uh, I'm, uh, like I was before before that drone came out. I was 100 percent gonna say, yeah, I'm going FTV drones. Like from here on out. Yep. Just because I have so many ideas that like of Cape Breton that I would love to fly that drone around. There's so many like fishing villages and mountains and waterfalls. I just want to like fly that thing around and just get the most creative looking shots. But then this new uh, Air 2 came out, and it just the specs on it for the price are just phenomenal. You know, seems totally worth it. Yeah. But I don't, one of the things also I want to do is take my th- uh, Insta360 camera yep. and attach it to a drone to fly that around so I can get a 360 view, which would capture everything from like looking up, down, left, right, everything. It captures everything like that you could see possibly in this video. And then that way I could like, take that drone footage and then take the 360 footage and actually like render it like, or sorry, I could like kind of like change my view. Like it's hard to explain. Like you can like make the, any like perspective 
while filming you want to do with the 360. Like if you want to look here, you can look here. It's hard, it's, it's really hard to explain. So does, is that controlled within like a third part, like an app that comes with it to control which way it looks or how does, how does that kind of, that's what I was. Okay. So yeah, I, I did a bad job explaining that. So what it, what it, does, it, it captures everything. And then you just basically like once it captures everything, you just, you tell it where to look after that. So you get to set, like, if you want to look at the, like, you know, if you want to look straight ahead, you can look straight ahead or you want to look up or you can do it where it has like a first, um, first person view where you can just take your phone, press record, and then look around as you're like looking at what you captured already as you're already there. I know I'm like, no one's huh. understanding what I'm saying right now, but interesting. 360, yeah. 360 video is just something totally new. And it's just like, I love playing with it. Like I had it for the last, like probably year and a half or so. And it just still just blow my mind. We can come up with like new updates that just make it better and better. Huh. So like the stitching, you know, it all gets stitched together. It's a bunch of like has two lenses on it, right? So it stitches the two sides of the film together to make it 360. And it just, like I said, it just keeps getting better and better with the updates. Interesting. And, uh, and how, how much, which, which company makes it? Uh, they're called Insta360 1X. It's um, a pretty long name, but uh, I think it went around like five or six, 600 bucks or something like that. But then you got to buy like the accessories, like the invisible selfie stick. And there's like a waterproof case you can get for it and stuff like that. So, you know, it can get up to like around 800 to a thousand dollars, but like, it's totally worth it because the shots you can get with it. Like the camera's so small that you can put it inside things that like you couldn't put like a camera. And the cool thing is it has such a wide angle that like you can zoom it all the way out and it looks like a tiny planet. Kind of video, yeah, if you yeah, see yeah. online, yep. where you see like some of the little tiny planet, that's probably from a 360 camera. Huh. Have you ever looked at GoPro Fusion? It's kind of the same idea as a 360. No, no, I haven't. I just, uh, yeah, no, I've just been doing cameras and traditional stuff and then the drone stuff, but yeah, I got to look into a little bit more. I've been just learning all this equipment instead of getting into anything else and anything crazy because that was like the. That was the biggest learning lesson from doing um, doing music for so many years was that I constantly tried to search for, like, you're like, oh, I want that or I want this and I want that, that synth to make those sounds and I want this, but you haven't learned the fundamentals of and got to use all the tools that you actually had to its potential. And then you were just like spreading yourself too thin over too many different devices. So I've been really just trying to learn, one, the whole um, optimizing my time with, utilizing like cameras and especially with this film and, and do this whole year of doing this project and seeing how that works and uh how i can improve that whole system and use these like it was just learning my camera because i only bought my my sony last year um which i didn't use much in this this film it was all like the, the wes's um lumix cameras but or lumix cameras but um it was more or less just using the tools that i have together and then once I learn those well and I like the settings and I do all that stuff, then I'll look at other things. But having too many tools in the in the in the box, man, it's just you don't get to use your uh your stuff to its full potential. That's the downside. Well that that that's exactly it. So like I think it was our last trip to Paulette's Cove. I actually didn't or no, sorry, it was our second last trip. I actually didn't take any camera equipment with me except for my cell phone. And I was, the reason being was well, number one, the pack uh, less stuff and yeah. reduce weight. But I also wanted just to kind of like take my phone and just like not have to worry about like what my settings are and what lens I'm using and all that kind of stuff where it's just kind of like the point and shoot, like just capture the moment, 
and just document the trip. And, you know, you can, like, uh, that's the one thing I love about, like, mobile photography is, like, you can kind of, like, not have to worry about all that stuff and just focus on the things that actually matter, like composition and lighting and the actual story of the image versus, you know, am I shooting on F1.8 or F5.6? Yeah. My ISO too high or, you know, stuff like that. So like, it's good to know those, like the, like the, this, like the, what settings you should have, obviously. But I think it's more important to focus on the actual composition and all that other stuff first. Yeah. And it's all in the context of what, and, and, the context of what it is about, like what is, so if you're doing video, what is that video about? And, and all that, all that sort of, yeah, yeah. It's the same deals like this. So like, for instance, the podcast I just mixed this morning, that's coming out tomorrow. Uh, that one audio horrible. That was shit. I fucked up on my end. accidentally deleted the actual real recording. So I'm using like, the one that got recorded in the cloud, which is just through my computer. So the audio is kind of shit, but in, in the delay within like our talking back and forth, which I tried to fix a bit, but that sucks. But the context, what we talk about, I think is really good because we talked about like, you know, the uh, workflow and like getting through creative blocks and how to start podcasts and all this stuff that is like beneficial same deal with doing what you're yeah it, it's all that's it's all about the context of what the thing's about and, and it enables you to like stop thinking because i think the biggest the biggest thing with with doing music or doing anything is like overthinking the process instead of just trusting the process and just doing it and like going out and doing things and capturing it and then just figuring out because if you start overthinking things and and especially again the editing and in the back back line you're kind of missing out on a lot of different opportunities that might just pop up in the moment because you're 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 subconsciously paying or, or consciously paying attention to an end product that you want rather than what could come out of the whole process of just like throwing things together and having fun. So there's a, there's kind of like a beauty in just like unknowing and just like trusting shooting and, and going about that. So if you're doing it, you're you're cutting out all those other factors of like picking, worrying about settings, worrying about all that stuff, and enables you to be live more in the moment and just capture what's there rather than worrying about all this other bullshit. Yep. Totally agree, man. Totally agree. But I mean, that's, that's kind of like when, when doing like, uh, doing like hikes, like Paul's Cove and stuff, like I did bring my camera, but I didn't really use it that much. It's cause like, I, and I've had this conversation with quite a few people, uh, Dave Green being one of them, um, who's crazy madman in Halifax that does r- ridiculous expeditions. But, um, <clears throat> He, uh, we, we were chatting and, and it's like, he was trying to make the transition into documenting. So they, they documented their expedition last summer, which was the cross. They did the canoe trip across Labrador in like 35 days or whatever. Um, but he was asking, you know, he's like, I do this stuff for me. I don't do this stuff for everybody else, but we have the potential of getting certain sponsors to be on board to help us with the funding of this stuff, which are, they're going to want to see photos are going to want to see video content they're going to want to see all this other stuff but how do you you know balance it both because like i'm doing this because it's a personal goal of my own it's for me i'm doing it to see how far i can push myself um and i'm not really worried about whatever the people thinking or documenting it but i need to keep that in back my mind but how do you kind of balance that when you're going out doing things and i was like man i'm in the same boat i'm like in a business that's like (laughs) based on social media and based off showing what we're doing, but yet doing stuff like Paul's Cove or even like doing this trip that you guys are talking about in June. Like I would love to document it and have fun doing it. But at the same time, I just want to just do it 
and and chill and not be detached from everything but it's like a a, a crazy balance to figure that out um, oh, I, I know exactly what you mean. yeah yeah <laughs> but I mean, it's funny because like i consider myself a creator and everything i do is creative whether it's writing music um you know doing my wilderness skills photography or, or carpentry or anything like that like like i said everything i do is creative and it's such a hard like you just said it's so hard to say like am i creating this adventure for myself or am i creating this adventure just to create content and that's the kind of important thing i gotta kind of gotta balance out for sure is you definitely gotta make the content for yourself and just just be authentic with it and i think that's one of the like biggest things people fucking up these days <laughs> yeah well i mean that it's the same deal with music it's kind of like when you're when you're sitting there and you're creating music for a certain platform it's kind of not people can tell when you're not being authentic and it's not something you want to do um you know if you're just going out there pumping stuff just to pump stuff it's people are going to see through that bullshit but um but when you're like and going I'm- out if like like the across the highlands trip that one was absolutely, I was, you know, the first day having a camera out, taking some shots. But after that, I was like, hey, man, this is not about this shit. I, well, one, I couldn't deal with that. It was like blowing snow and blowing wind. And I was like, I am not, the last thing I'm thinking about is taking a photo right now. But then at key moments, it's just like, you know, going to White Hill and shit's blowing. Like I have the photo on my wall right now. I got printed out of like everybody on White Hill and it's ripping snow and all you see is white. And then like, we're huddled there and somebody's got his max got his thumb up <laughs> and then we were literally there enough time for me to drop the backpack pick the camera up fire it up i just went burst mode i was like and i was like i hope something works and then put it back in my bag and we kept we fucked off but uh i mean it, that was definitely a balance like in no point was i thinking at camp like oh i'm gonna take this camera out and film i was like no i'm worrying about getting fucking 10 people fed and putting food in my stomach and going to bed <laughs> that's the thing yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah but and i mean even like, even that was like uh, uh that was person more personal um pushing myself personal that uh personally but then you know and doing something that was completely outside the uh spectrum of what we actually do taking like people across this crazy trip and people getting frostbite and like ashley was like pretty much dead at the end of it and like it was a big one, but <laughs> it's crazy. But it was a, I, I was bummed when I found out I couldn't come because I had work, and then I was kind of a little relieved when I saw how brutal it was. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was even it was much harder than the year the 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 one I did like years and years ago in 2011. We did it. It wasn't even that was not. I don't I I don't remember it being as bad as this one. This one was just a slug, and like I thought I was packing light. But when I started lifting up everybody else's backpacks, I realized that I was like 20 pounds overweight with like portable batteries, drone, batteries for the drone, fucking lenses for the drone, or uh, filters for the drone, lenses for the camera. Like I had so much gear. I packed extremely light as far as like I had one one change of clothes, one pair of dry, not even a change of clothes. I had what I was wearing. I had one uh, base layer of merino wool, base layer top and bottom in case and one extra pair of socks that was it everything else was just what i had wearing i was wearing that was it done and i just like and the food was like light it was a uh, vector and like uh vector and powdered milk and dry freeze food that was it and like protein bars <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it wasn't anything crazy 
So uh, that was my... Um, so many days. Just lived off of those protein bars. So many days. Man, those bo- builder bars are the like eight bucks or something for 18 of them or like 12 bucks for 18 or something like that. And they're like 400 calories a piece, like 30 some grams of protein. Come on. That's my go-to for like hiking. Did you guys get food sponsors for that trip or no? Uh, no, we, we, I outsourced the... So I was looking for... Um, I was originally looking for sponsors for it. And there was people interested. It just I didn't know how that was going to work. And then uh, I started researching food, and we were going to kind of do our own food packets. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. We're just going to like look for dry freeze food. And I was actually look the day I was looking for it. Um, Emily Matinsky, who works for Parks, came into where we were editing in the studio in Halifax. We're editing this film, and I was like spending the morning looking for. I want a Canadian op- Canadian brands that do dry freeze food. And she's like, oh, there's this company out of Quebec called Happy Yak. And then there's another one from uh, BC called Nomad, I think that one was called. So I started looking them up because I was originally looking at the, uh, is it Adventure Aid? No, not Adventure Aid. It's something Aid. Um, anyways, they sell them at Mac. And I had their like beans and rice one. It was pretty good. But anyway, so she said Happy Yak and stuff. So I literally just like went on Instagram, Happy Yak, DM them. They wrote me back a number. I called it within like 20 minutes, called them up, started chatting with them. He sent me the form, excuse me, wholesale form, filled out the wholesale form. I went down the Mountain Equipment Co-op, picked up a bunch of packs of that and Nomad. Uh, the Nomad I ate, I didn't really like. Plus there were small packets and they were just vegan only vegan fucking dry freeze food so i was like no nah. and the first pack i opened of nomad was a moldy it was had white mold on it oh yeah. What? yeah yeah, yeah. so it was like a broken or something or I forgot the packet yeah it was something and then uh i still ate it though <laughs> um, <laughs> um and then yeah the happy act stuff i took home and uh, there were bigger packs right so they're basically two servings and i took home i think it was like a stir fry one which had like beans and mini um corn and a bunch of other stuff that was kind of like, and, and the meat, of course. Uh, and when I cooked it, I'm like, wow, this is actually really good. But the problem was when you get to the Highland, I ordered a bunch of them uh, and they shipped them out. They're great, man. They shipped all kinds of stickers and stuff. And then I wrote them an email, thanked them um, about it. And I was going to carry all the, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that maybe not this summer, but because um, I don't know what's going to happen this summer, but I was planning on carrying their product here uh, at our shop too. Because there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of people that ate those those meals um, that were staying on site too, that were just like, oh, camp food, blah, 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 blah. And then they were heading up to do Paul's Cove or hit the trails and stuff. But I w- really wanted to carry their product here and sell some of that, sell more like kind of like camping items here and gear and some fishing gear and that sort of stuff and have more of a shop. But that's on hold, but uh, yeah, I sent him a thank you email and um, I sent him all the pictures. I was like, man, like anytime you guys want to work together, let's do it. Um, let's really like, I'll use you guys exclusively. I really like your product. The only downside, and I mean, this is the same with like probably any dry freeze meals, is like you technically should be cooking them over um, over in a pot on a stove, which is the best way to cook them for like minutes instead of just putting boiling water in the bag. Uh, if it's noodles, like I had the couscous one was fine, couscous and pork, because it was it didn't take much to like uh, fill back up with water, absorb the water or whatever. But when it came to like the pad thai, we were eating like crunchy noodles most most of the time. Noodle, <laughs> but it tasted good. Like I still have a shitload left. Um, so actually, Skylar just messaged me 
this map uh said june so distance 84 kilometers she's that but that yeah that's like hey eh? that's like going up the money point and everything right? yeah exactly like i said basically goes from all this right up the meat cove down to the aspie and then yeah yeah I'm, like I'm in for that one fuck yeah definitely in yeah, for that one. Well, days i think how many 10 i believe oh man that would be awesome we should fuck now that I'm like, I want to do a shoot another uh, dock is what I want to do after this one's done. They're like a mini one. Let's do like, let's do like a wilderness style one, man. Let's do like something like, you know, go off the wilderness. Like, we should, I, I well, so, so. I want in on the, I want in on, I want in on the next dock. Okay. Next so this is, this, this is where we start pitching ideas. So this is my, my idea of, so <clears throat> I've got, we get this learn a lot off this film right this film is a big 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 massive project a lot of people involved we have like tourism involved like all that so there's a lot of different people involved with this program but through this whole process as far as like live life intense as a brand is i wanted to kind of develop a side which is i mean it is kind of like a patagonia style where patagonia does like films they're more like politically uh political a lot of political films like about deforestation and and uh fishing and like they did that movie artificial about like fish farming and all that sort of stuff i'm kind of like at the, i don't know if that's an avenue that i want to go into now it would be cool to go down that road but i really think that spe- specifically being a very specific and niche be like about cape breton island about mini mini films anywhere from like five minutes to like 20 minute long mini documentary films about specific like even about this about this fucking trail like sit up think about what the story is going to be and then just document it so and and you know through that process it'd be everything man just use a phone use everybody well there's enough of us going if, if i end up going but there's enough people going that have like all the gear all that sort of stuff um that you can oh, like exactly. you can like spread the gear gear out and and then we've got some like solar panel stuff uh Fuck, I was going to look into a portable solar panel. But yeah, but I mean, there's enough stuff. But yeah, I'm down the chop, man, because that's that's the avenue. I really think that it would be really cool to like do a, 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 a channel, like a whole film series that's more, it's not like this doc that's coming out, the way we're doing it now instead of doing the screenings is that we're going to, I've got all the operators on board to do discounts. So everybody's offering. So for instance, like Angelo's giving 25 or 20% off two night stays at his cabins and 20% off all kayaking trips um just for people that buy the so we're doing a streaming on vimeo which you pay like it'll be like 14 bucks or whatever but you get like 200 dollars worth of savings so we're doing like two for one tubing i think jay's doing two for one um uh, an hour so like you buy an hour archery with lessons and stuff you get one for free um bryson's doing two nights get one off uh jeremy i forget what he said he's doing jimmy's doing like a, a percentage discount on his guided fly fishing so it's kind of a way for us to kind of help support the six operators within the film um, by like putting up people can pay to stream it next Friday onward. Um, and then, you know, all that gets divided out. Once we pay Vimeo for their percentage, then everything gets divided evenly between all the operators to kind of help bridge the gap in like a, a shitty season. Cause a lot of people are taking, like a lot of people are taking hits. 
specifically like you know bryson is like they go basically live the hostel is what puts food on the table so if they can't even open like they're pretty shit out of luck so it kind of and a lot of these are like small businesses that help inject uh money into their area so i mean it's a pretty good trade-off 14 bucks for like even just doing the two for one tube and you make your 14 bucks back right there (laughs) so (laughs) you get like 30 bucks off uh like a trip fucking down the river so um so there's a lot of good stuff but yeah so as far as like films yeah let's uh i'm down man i want to make all kinds of uh a random ones it's funny because like i've been saying for so long that i want to start a youtube channel and film my wilderness skills plus my adventures and kind of like make that like the main idea of my channel kind of more or less like my instagram but just do it yes all like 20 minutes 20 minutes to 30 minute length like videos of like my adventures showcase cape breton and what it has and also showcase my wilderness skills and all that kind of stuff yeah like i just feel like there's such like a an audience out there for that kind of stuff and just people want to see it but i just keep putting it off and always on the back burner and then once i said this is the year that i'm going to do it you know the pandemic happened and- yeah <laughs> that yeah. was an excuse right yeah man yeah but it's it's it'll be a good but, uh, it'd be good to judge like once this comes out to see what the reaction is on it um because that's all it is like this this one that we put together is literally just about small businesses working together to help like showcase the island and change the narrative of what it's like to live here and like you know what i mean so there's on the, all this stuff there's there's like this this like 10 day hike to talk about the northern it shed some light up there because the biggest thing up there and what i've from filming this i interviewed like uh um ray frazier from seawall trail um and ross cloutier um that was at that meeting that we went to so i interviewed him after the meeting in wakagama and uh and you know the, the biggest issue with that and that where the seawall trail is stalled is because of uh the 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 regulations with that area like the from what i understood from talking to them it's like the it's a it's a wilderness area um but you can go in there privately like any group like this group going to do this 10 day hike can go in there and use that land it's kind of in between crown land and a park um but in the legislation, it kind of says uh, you can't operate commercially within this this area, this protected area. But then in like another clause within that legislation, it says you can with proper permits. But there's nobody in Nova Scotia to issue the permits or no application process for the permits, which is what Ross is here or was here all winter um, was doing was kind of like creating a report. From this, from what I understand from his conversation, my conversation with him, create a report to use that to bring to the government. Say, hey, this is like we've got support from the community. We've got uh, these are all the economic spinoffs that can happen from uh, um, allowing certain companies to have permits to operate within this area. So, you know, it's there's this doing a mini film on the, the whole Northern Peninsula and what it's like up there, and and like chatting about that stuff is like crazy it's it could be used to shine some light on what that area is actually like um and hopefully like maybe maybe nudge people in whatever position that they're in to kind of like actually maybe look at fucking permitting the area to like commercial businesses that have the support from the community or something i don't know man but i'm down to film whatever so it would be fun project yeah for sure and i'd also like to like what you're just saying there is like I would love to eventually do more like teaching wilderness classes. So that'd be like a perfect opportunity for me is like, if I could get like that permit all set up to teach wilderness classes up in that area. Yeah. You know, it's tough. So there's a lot of business opportunity I find with all that. 
Yeah. Oh man. I'm that Ross guy here. <laughs> Huge. Okay. Huge. Yeah. And I've I edited all. I have to show you some of the pictures that we shot. I shot last summer because uh, I had all those edited. Uh, edited them like a couple months ago. They're all on the hard drive summers. But um, but yeah, that was another thing to, to man huge to offer that during the summertime. Yeah. But um, but anyways, but yeah, let's 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 chat more about this. I'm gonna, I'm looking at like stuff. I have this barn being built, so I'm, I'm gonna make sure that all the shit's gonna be done. But if I can swing it and if I can go for this like two week trip, then I'm down. Hundred percent. Cool. Hundred percent. And then we'd start chatting about like documenting it and and filming it. Uh, or what to film and what to get, and a lot of the I think well, David Schuyler has been did the seawall twice last year, so they know which places to focus on and get some st- shots at and and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, man, it'd be fun. But um, but other than that, we'll we'll call. I think that's about an hour. Or so I, I guess give everybody kind of a heads up on where to find you and what's uh, what social channels where to get a hold of you at and where to find your stuff, and then we'll uh, wrap it up. Oh, cool, man. Um, so you guys can find me at basically just I basically just use Instagram. So just search at Chuck Rathall. Uh, I should pop up. Um, I will eventually be making more YouTube videos. I do have a YouTube account. You can also add me on YouTube. Yeah, but there's no videos. Uh, Make the summer come in the summer. Stay tuned. <laughs> okay, man. Will you enjoy your Sunday? I'm going to uh, get to editing, fucking finishing this trailer for this documentary we're putting up tomorrow. I'm just about to head outside, man. It's beautiful out, and I'm going to go fucking probably take a stroll in the woods. There you go. There you go. Okay, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Later. All right. Cheers. Well, hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. Again, that was Chuck Rathall at Chuck Rathall on all the social channels. Um, we'll put links in the description to this podcast so you can quickly follow him. Uh, again, our documentary called The Cabot Trail is out now. You can stream it for $9.99 or buy it for $14.99. If you buy it, you get a lifetime stream uh, download option, and you also qualify to get a discount booklet which is compiled of discounts and coupons from all the operators within the film. So you get discounts on accommodations and tours that these operators offer. So everything from kayak, paddleboard tours, river tubing, uh, staying at the Highlands Hostel, staying at Rivernest um, uh, Cottages down in North River, and uh, our glamping as well. So uh, you can find that at uh, livelifeintense.com or cabotraildocumentary.com. And uh, yeah, next week we'll have Brittany Cloud on, who is a designer, photographer, social media manager. You know, she does all kinds of different things. She's on the podcast next week, and that will be the last one that we're going to do for a couple weeks until we sort out uh, technical issues on our end. I'm just not not feeling the vibes of uh, doing these podcasts over online. So we'll hopefully we'll wait till we can uh, join in person and get a couple of these done until next week. Uh, we're signing out at live life intense on all of our social channels. Peace.